Welcome to a new season of the Musician's Journey podcast. My name is Ragnhild Wesenberg, and this is about my own journey as a musician as I'm trying to be a freelance cellist for a living. And it's about the journey of everyone I'm talking with. And wow, do we all have our own journey, our own unique journeys. And at the same time, we have so much in common, both as musicians and as humans. And it's amazing how easily we can relate to each other's experiences and challenges. I'm based in Stockholm, Sweden, and I've only been exploring how it's like to be a freelance musician for a year and a half. During this time, I've had to define what I do and what I don't do, what I want to do better and what I want to learn. I've discovered that as a classically trained cellist, I'm actually interested in playing classical music for the cello. All around me, I see people making their own music and putting on their own projects. And I've been wondering if I'm also supposed to do that. The answer is not now, at least. Instead, I'm experiencing a lot of potential through my private teaching practice. I've had mainly adults sporadically coming for lessons one-on-one, but at this point I'd love to arrange beautiful music for groups of cellists, and so I have to think about a venue for this. I love that my pupils come to me with their own interests and they broaden the horizon for me regarding what role the cello can have in one's life. So I've discovered that I do teach, arrange, and perform, but I don't compose or jam. When I know what I do and don't do, it's a lot easier to focus on what I can build and make a living from. And something that has helped me with self-reflection and confidence is this podcast. How it has put me in contact with people who have answered my questions and told me their stories. So I'm continuing with that and I hope you'll get something from it too. This time I also have something to recommend to my listeners. I have been feeling a tad overwhelmed recently by all the ideas I have and all the things I want to work on and to help me staying focused on one thing at a time as well as having the support of a creative online community I have for the past months been participating in a new initiative called The Box. This is the creation of Miles Hansen and Bill Small and The Box is a structure and a container around one's projects. Every week we meet online for mutual support in our current projects. We give feedback and encouragement without adding more stress to the situation. I'm not someone who seeks social situations like these in real life. I'm very homey and I I guess I'm the introverted side, but the box fits me perfectly as it is a small community so far with incredibly friendly and open-minded people. There is space for everyone and I feel seen and heard. If this sounds like something you'd like to try, you can go to theboxworkshop.com and by using the code CELLO in capital letters, C-E-L-L-O, you'll get 30% off for your first month. And I include a link in the show notes. Bill and Miles also have a lovely podcast called The Subtle Art of Not Yelling. End of a recommendation. The soundtrack for this podcast is made by Mohamed Ame, who calls himself Gozira on SoundCloud and Instagram. I have now reached the end of my announcements and it's time to meet the first guest of this season who, by the way, was also featured in episode 18 of the previous season but so much happened in only one year that I asked if she would like to come and tell us about it. And Kim Godrodge said yes. And I'm (laughs) so affected by... Or we're, we're always affected by all kinds of things at any time, mm. right? And then there are certain situations where I feel like I have to put on a role to act a certain way mm. in a specific situation. But I'm still influenced by all the things I'm influenced by in the moment. So now, uh, I haven't touched my cello in several days. Because of various things, and also I've had this hint of inflammation in my hand, (laughs) 
I don't know if it's yoga or cello, but I'm anyway taking it easy. And it's the second day of my menstrual cycle and all these things really affect the way I feel about everything, <laughs> and wherever I am. And I want to really cultivate this ability to be where I am at all time instead of playing a role. And I have a feeling you're pretty good at this. Mm. It struck me really early in our acquaintance. This I just felt that, that you were very present in whatever you were feeling at any moment. And it's contagious and very liberating. Do you feel that yourself? That this is what you're doing? I think so. The times when I'm really aware of it are when I'm in, in front of a group facilitating or on the stage. It really resonated with me what you said about being here where I am. It's this is okay, this is just this is just Kim on a stage. What's Kim like on a stage? Well, she's she's just Kim. <laughs> maybe like maybe there's a little bit bigger things to do, you know, and like you of course behave a little bit differently on a stage to how you do in a conversation, for example, but I really don't feel uh, different at all. When you're on the stage and when you're not on the stage. Yeah. Yeah. But you still feel various influences at certain points. So, so when you're on the stage one day, you feel different from when you're on the stage another day, I guess, because of someone inspiring you or some activity you're getting yourself into or uh, yeah I think so very much and then also every audience is gonna create a different performance because I really try and step into this real rawness and exactly the the first song that I chose for my show recently was a song that starts with the lyric I do all right in the limelight in fact it's where I fly it's okay, you can look at me, I've got nothing to hide. Mm. And I chose this song to start with because I just thought, it's perfect. Whatever I'm feeling in that moment when I first step out on the stage and I see the people there, whatever I'm feeling, all I just have to do is sing that out of me on the lyric, I've got nothing to hide. It's perfect because yeah. it can only make the line more raw, you know, and I... But really, it was like there's this intention of sort of really connecting to the audience and that rawness beyond just showing it, you know, like mm. really taking everybody in and not being afraid to do that. Look them in the eyes, stay in my body and really like have that emotional connection with the audience in the same way that you actually do in a deep conversation. And then I think, yeah, whoa, I'm so affected by, you know, audience to audience, state of mood to state of mood. It's like a, a track when it's performed can sound different every time. And, and the same one day voice activation course, I say to everybody, it's different every time because it's just a product of this, you know, feeling what's needed and who's there and who's contributing what to the space. Mm. So it's been like a year, I think, since you were last here. And I think a lot has happened in one year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you were here last, it was, I think, yeah, your coaching, uh, launching your website. That was the main focus. Mm. And now you are releasing an album. Mm -hmm. That was not something that you were thinking of a year ago. I mean, Maybe. it is something that I've always wanted to do. Right, right. Always wanted to do. Yes. And I guess, yeah, that's a good place to start a year ago when I was yes. here. And I, I was talking a lot, I think, about how important it was to me to be authentic in the marketing for the coaching and to use my creativity and my songwriting as part of the marketing of the business. So at that moment when we met, it was like, if you look at it from a very business perspective now, right? Like the main way that I'm gonna make money is from the business. And then the way that I get to 
um, nurture and kindle my creativity and make sure that there's space for that is that my creativity really authentically comes out in the marketing and of the coaching and that brings in money, mm. right? Mm. And since then, I have just totally veered away from those kinds of paths of logic, actually. Mm. I think that that is the main difference. I... The more and more I get in touch with myself over time, the more and more I get in touch with, you know, what's the deepest, deep down in there kind of stuff. And any time that I start to tickle the musician thing, and we talked about this a lot last year as well, yeah. this difficulty in saying even that I'm a musician, that seems like a lifetime ago now. Yes. And I think the more and more I've been holding myself and nurturing myself and just... Like, the moment when I started producing my album, suddenly, it was out of the blue. It was like, I've been wanting to do something forever. And suddenly, within six weeks, I had made an album and produced it myself. Six weeks? In six weeks. Really? Yeah. From, and I, like, the first lyric? You I had had some songs written. Okay. I think maybe, like, uh, three of the songs were already written. Yeah. And three of them were not. Yeah. I wrote them new. But something shifted. And I and I mark it as the moment where I just became like very, very suddenly present in my body. But really most of the time I really got the experience of that over quite a few weeks mm. of just having that. And then sort of like shame and fear, shame and fear. They just sort of went away for a while. They went on vacation. Now they come back sometimes, but it's totally different because I got to feel what it's like. And it actually came at the same time as this like sexual revolution yeah. in me of like awakening really to my true, raw, pure sexual desire. And I think that there was this sort of coming together of so many different things. You know, I've been... I've been in some tantra and some kink workshops. I've been working with the voice very intensively as I've been coaching it myself. And then, of course, working with my own voice also in this empowerment sense of asking for what I want and saying no. And again, coming back to just what we were talking about at the beginning of just sort of like being me at all times. Mm. And... I think that those are just the perfect conditions for creativity because that sort of that sort of slipping away of trying to play into any expectations and like feeling ashamed of that it might not sound good and feeling afraid that I won't do something great, you know, and just slipping instead into I love this. And these hours, these many, many hours that I'm spending intensively in the studio, they're just pure joy and play and curiosity and fun. Mm. And I think that the product that's come out of it could never have actually come from trying to make something good because it's so, yeah, it's such yeah. a unique sound, actually, and I love it. Yeah. Was there something that triggered this explosion, like stepping into this super creative and sexual space? Did something happen to cause this? Or did it just seem to occur out of nowhere, suddenly? Yeah, I've been having a lot of big things happening recently and I've been learning a lot from them. One, like, two of them were, that were very hard and painful things that happened were one was that I had a breakup. But, and, you know, I, th I don't want to say like, oh, you know, my ex, you know, I broke up with him and I made an album. It's not like that. It's, but, you know, sometimes when things just get shaken up, and also when a dynamic was not good, it can take away a lot of energy and then the breakup can make you, you know, take energy back. Um, another thing is that my mum has recently been diagnosed with dementia and her mum also had dementia. And my, my music really springs from very much, I mean, I would call myself primarily a poet actually now and then a musician because the music is, the music is arising from the words. The words come first. Mm. And, and when I have a show, I say that what I'm saying, the, thi the things that I'm saying between the songs are just as much of the show as the music. And so I see my show as more than just my music album, you know, and seeing my mom right now, my mom was also good with words. 
you know, and seeing her losing her words now, it's like this memento mori, it's mm. this, yeah. you know, we have this in literature, these signals of just reminders of death that don't need to be dark, they can be very, very, very firing up, and they, they it, it has given me a lot of gratitude for my talent with words, mm. in a way that, you know, life is too freaking short to spend, you know, this like, oh, I don't know if I'm good enough, yeah. Like there, you know that it it creates this fire, mm. and then there's been other things happening. You know, like I was in a living situation that was a bit crossing my boundaries, and I and I, I was vocal about that. It's just that the situation was very hard to change until a little while in the future. So I'd kind of been holding out in this living situation, but it was crossing my boundaries every day in terms of like noise and need for privacy and. And so a, lo a lot of release came at the same time, or like a kind of combination of fire and release. And the way that I work with the voice is um, very, very much about using the voice to get in real contact with the emotions. And doing that because it's important to do that, to stay in touch with ourselves and to stay grounded and connected to who we are. And also because doing that unlocks a hell of an expressive quality in the voice. I notice that now if I listen to recordings of my voice two years ago, there's such a difference. But yeah, sort of also having more difficult things happen to me, like the breakup and the dementia with my mom. It's like going into the the grief and the rawness and like really feeling it all. There's something on the other side of that mm. that's very, very, very beautiful or it's all mixed in at the moment, but I just, I feel like I'm not afraid of pain because quite painful things have been happening recently and I've, I've, I don't know, I've gone through it all with a sort of like, like a warrior, like a dignified warrior. And, it, and it's sort of just shown me, okay, I'm, I've got myself, I'm there for myself, whatever happens, yeah, so I don't know. It, it, yeah. Like it's, it has been. A, it's been a year. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's 
should. Really, really beautiful, beautiful spiritual process because what I've realized is that shame and pleasure are kind of on two opposite ends of the spectrum, Mm. right? And so if I'm just in my pleasure, uh, it's very embodied, connected connected to the body and sometimes even in like a sexual feeling way, like what gives me pleasure? And can every one of those things just be a yes for me? Mm. just say yes to it all and then even a step beyond that like ask for it Mm. and then beyond that get it that is (laughs) such an empowering process and such a satisfying and pleasurable and fulfilling process and I I think it's the same with the creativity you know like what is pleasurable for me to do creatively in this moment and can I just say yes to that Mm. I also love I now this is a little bit unrelated but for this I love improv mm. and quite aside from my album project another thing that I'm doing is going out into nature and just improvising singing and poetry recorded with the soundscape you know around whatever birds or machinery or whatever there is and then I will take that improvisation and come back into the studio and record new vocal layers. And that is in a bit similar style to my album, although a bit more out there. Add more vocal layers and some grooves so that I make this sort of like improvised thing from my little adventure. Mm. And what I love about that is it's such a vulnerable process to improvise, Mm. to just open up those filters and let whatever come, come. So then to take it back to the studio and listen to it, I've got to listen to it without judgment. Because I'm going to produce that and I'm going to add now another layer that's not going to criticize it. It's going to say yes and to it. It's going to take what it is and enhance it. And so that, again, just within the process of improvising and sort of like adding a kind of semi-improvised production on top of it, it becomes this whole like step by step of yes to myself, yes to myself, and also this, and then yes to everything that's come before. And I don't know, it's helping me so much with my confidence and my creativity and just like staying open and not getting distracted by things like whether someone's gonna like it or and of course they have my ups and downs you know I sent the video that I'm talking about right now I sent it to one of my best friends Olga and I said Olga I'm thinking of publishing this video can you watch the video now that's not what I was saying like that's exactly like I wanted some kind of validation it felt too shaky for me to just send it straight out there because it's it's strange And what Olga's reply to me was, what I first want to say is that your creativity is a gift to the world. And it needs just just the act, whatever, ever, ever is the reception of it, just for you as an artist, the act of sharing that, that is a precious and beautiful act that you do, regardless already of what anybody thinks about it. Mm. And then she said, and moving on from that, of course, pe- some people won't like it because that's what art does. Art is divisive. But when you create something that is so very much from your authenticity and your rawness and 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 from what's true to you, it will attract the right people and it will touch the right people in the right way. Mm. I just thought, okay, Olga. <laughs> oh, so, such a wise, wise and loving thing to say. And then she went on to say that she liked the video and things. But, you know, I'm also very, very supported by the people around me because, and I notice this when I go to other places where I don't have my, you know, tight community and cosy network of peoples, like, boosting me up and supporting me. I'm more fragile when I move away from it. I'm more critical of myself. I'm more questioning myself. Times I've been away from that and then come back to it has made me really, really notice, okay, I need it. I need it. And I would never, never, never be here where I am right now if I hadn't had not just Olga, but all of these people in my life. Just, you know, I think that there is in many ways in the world a movement of people who don't anymore want to play by the rules, not in the sense of like being rebellious, but just in the sense of like, I want you to just be exactly in the way that is most resonating and authentic to you because that's Mm. when you shine. And I'm going to do what I can to help you 
do that because I know that that's going to help me shine. But maybe also I'm not going to do more to do that than what I need to help me shine. But this, it, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like there's, there's some kind of movement towards that in, in, in friendship now that's really, really helping a lot of people that I know in Stockholm. Mm. Maybe there is a counter-movement to this amount of shallowness that we have been bathing in for a long time. Or maybe that's my impression, I don't know. But sometimes when I'm listening to a podcast or watching a YouTube video or I'm on Facebook or Instagram, I just have this hunger for authenticity and oh, please just show, show me something real and it doesn't have to be fancy at all. I mean, it's, a, it's just a natural consequence mm -hmm. of this uh, culture of pretentiousness, yeah. maybe. <laughs> yeah. I, can I, I don't know if this is going to sound good on the podcast or not, oh, but can I, I like wrap you a little bit of a lyric that's really related to this? Yes, go for it, go for it. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think it's good to start here. Hadn't felt the dull ache behind bright city lights or the deceit behind the catchphrase, I'm all right. The truth is that it's not easy to be here. Never has been lived a life free from pain, shame and fear. It isn't easy to stay. It isn't easy to see because so much about life is tragedy. Ooh. Like this. <laughs> of course, it sounds better with a beat, you know, but it's like also like... My friend Fanny Norlin is a philosopher and we wrote a rap together and she talks a lot about how rap can be a really powerful thing and often it's more of an outlet of anger than anything else. Mm. But I don't know, it's sort of like we, we can really use rap to also hit points home about things. And I, and I feel like the world, the whole world actually is craving more authenticity. Yeah. We really feel the lack. And a lot of people don't know that that's what they're craving I think that's a huge judgment on a lot of people I just, I just it looks to me like there's some kind of misunderstanding out there about what type of uh, material we should be consuming and then mm. there is this pretending to enjoy it but I think actually everyone would really need some authenticity in their lives but then again what is authenticity that's the rabbit hole <laughs> yeah. to go down into because maybe we're all pretending on some level no matter how authentic we think yeah we of course and then the more the more attractive it becomes to become authentic yeah. you know like i now i associate that authentic is good yeah. so if i'm being authentic then i'm being good and then it gets very complicated you know it can really mess with your mind yes yeah. And, you know, like, I, I, I see positive things in the world, you know, the, like, TikTok, the rise of TikTok. I know, like, I, it's a very authentic platform, you know, like, it's no more kind of like filters and things. It's just sort of like people there doing their thing in this very raw way. And, mm. of course, the TikTok also questions the line of, like, what is authentic? But I think the world is at least moving into things that seem more authentic. <laughs> it's a rabbit oh, hole. It is a rabbit hole. Can we go deeper into the rabbit hole? I don't know. I try to not think. I try to just talk before I think. Otherwise, it, it would be hard to say something. It's like we're always searching for something. That's what comes to me. We're just not happy where we are yeah and you know what maybe we are just getting a bit too into our heads about it because now now when i just feel back into it you know i know in my body what real authenticity is mm. you know that feeling of full alignment and yes. sort of like this this feeling of in my body right now everything feels aligned and true yeah. and when i'm speaking i know it's from my heart i mean that's authenticity right, right. Or like Sometimes I think it's so easy to like to brain out on things, yeah. And 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 I do it all the time. And then I'm like, okay, wait, no, but like, there's no questioning. Like, like if if you attach the word authenticity to that aligned feeling in the body, I don't think actually there's much mistaking it. Hmm. Oh, I'm working with myself uh, these days, 
and uh, I guess it's alignment actually because I'm I'm working with my chakras mm. and uh, it it is related to authenticity because if I can be in my body and be strong but relaxed and feel these energetic centers then yeah it's a lot easier to to say what I want and to be what I want and to act the way I want and I think also something that you said to me before we started recording you know you said to me that you feel excited about each day yeah that's also authenticity and alignment right yeah. if you're really feeling truly excited about what you're doing each day then you're doing the right things authentically for you you know yeah I have invited for another home concert I did some last year because performing music live is something that can't really be uh, what's that word there's no substitute for that you know when it comes to that training and I feel this need to expand it a little I think that has to do with authenticity as well so instead of me showing up in front of some people and I play something I've been preparing which is the usual case of a concert I've, I'm feeling more and more to focus uh, intention and involve the audience a little more and it's only happened at a very low level at some point it, it was quite spontaneous I decided to hand out papers to them all and I asked them kindly if they, if they felt like writing something or drawing something while I was playing and I had divided the sheet into the different movements of the piece and what I received back afterwards blew my mind. They had written, you know, so many beautiful associations and whole storylines and they had been drawing and there was poetry there and I, I just couldn't believe what came back to me from this. And so this time I asked in advance if those who wanted to uh, come could write me some keywords to do with some kind of problem or issue that they would want to go into with music. <laughs> That's a really personal thing to be asking, but I'm, I'm only inviting my friends, so it feels, feels okay. And there as well, what I've uh, received so far, like some keywords, a couple of sentences, also just changes the whole situation and it makes me um, approach this concert in a, such a different way from me just deciding on a piece to play so I can use these keywords and think of which music do I want to you know use as some kind of framework for these words and these situations so to me that feels like a craving for something more authentic regarding performing music. I guess that's my way of, of connecting with my audience. That's never really been my thing. You know what? When we study classical music, mm. there's never any talk about audience or connecting mm. with the audience. No. Nothing at all. No. It's really interesting that you talk about it because I really, and I told the audience this at my show on Friday, I really tried to do something different with the concept of a show on Friday. I told people I, what I would hope the very most is that you feel like you're on a journey and that you leave this performance feeling somehow transformed. And people really felt it really sort of like total opening to the audience. And I hadn't planned anything that I would say, but I had put together the tracks from my album and some other songs with guest performers into a narrative that I knew would reflect this concept of becoming that I was trying to reflect in the show. Mm. And then I was just talking and, and the tracks are just so raw that I think people really felt it. And I've had people calling me afterwards, you know, like one person called me and said, um, you know, this happened and I asked for something that I really wanted. And I don't know if I would have done that if I hadn't come to your show. <laughs> and another person told me about something else that had happened, you know, and it's like, okay, yeah. 
I think music is often seen as, or music is certainly talked about in philosophy as well, you know, about its, its importance or just art in general, its importance, I think not just in reflecting the times for people to look back on later, but also for inspiring and pulling people together. It can do that. It can inspire and pull people together around, around certain ideas. And, and, and art, art comes from the emotions, right? And it's, it's this essential emotive quality to, to society. It's yeah. like humans have emotions and whatever our economy is and what, however much we would prefer not to have them in some kinds of organizations and stuff like that, we do. And art always remembers that. And it comes back to the emotions. And, and, I, I want to explore how deep we can go into that. Also, you know, with my work with The Voice about really, really going to the raw emotive side of how we vocalise. Mm. Because already, you know, like, art can make us feel, when it's emotional enough, when you go through enough of the layers and get to what's the most raw, that's, everybody knows that. Every human knows that, the most raw stuff. And not, not everybody talks about it all the time. And not everybody even has somebody that they can talk to about it all the time. But the song or a painting or, you know, it can just make that person in that moment feel seen because it's, it's clear in the art that the artist knows it. That it, just the fact that something is known, that's already healing, you know? Yeah. Stand up straight and sway your hips, but not too seductively. You're gonna get too fat if you eat all that. Make sure you talk politely. Be fun, but not too much. You don't want to be called a whore. Be funny, sexy, smile nicely, or all the men will get bored. You look too thin, you better eat something. A woman owns her cut. you feel small just stay nice and soft and smile or you'll be called hysterical so last friday you're referring to your pre-release was that yeah i had a pre-release show that's what i ended up calling it yeah pre-release show of your coming album when is it coming we don't know okay i'm actually like i'm I'm having crazy things happening into in my life at the moment and like um some very well connected people are helping me out and I'm involved in some like really exciting projects. I think it's okay to say that I've started writing lyrics for two Sony signed songwriters. And yeah, the I'm getting help on on the album as well. And so it's very unclear mm. how and when and I I had maybe like four or six Ableton lessons before I just produced my album, you know, with a bit of my finger in the ass, but very much in the space of pure joy, creativity, play. Mm. And I'm just open to the idea that um, I think what an artist wants or what I want as an artist anyway is for my art to be seen as much as possible. And I think that it, I think that it is a positive thing for people to hear my songs. And, and I want them to, I, I want to reach. And you know, I have the same thing with facilitating. The bigger the group, the more I fly mm. in the facilitation. And I just know if you gave me a huge arena of people, I would be, it, I would love to experience that song. I would love to experience that in this lifetime. I would love it. You know the title of the album, I guess? Is that set? Yeah, it's Unearthed. 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 And it has six tracks. And they're very much, you know, I have a background in West African percussion and that I've studied it for, for a long time. And I've been to Senegal and Ghana. 
So it's quite a lot in influenced by that in the grooves. But then I've also sung in a lot, a lot of choirs, including at Oxford University. So there's kind of like a choral influence in there. And then, but I also love rap and the power of rap. And I studied literature at university. So I've always been interested in poetry. And I know that, you know, the distinction between verse and prose is that verse has meter and prose has no meter. So poetry has a meter. So does rap. The album is also very much exploring the line between what is poetry, what is rap, mm. when when music comes in and that kind of thing. Yeah, I get really excited about it because I love it so much. And you know, there's the so there's a song about about risk and how if we want to fly, we have to really risk that we'll fall. And there's a song about codependency. There's quite an explicit song about sex that mm. really came out right in that moment of like sexual revolution explosion. Yeah, um, yeah I'm really excited. I, I listen to my albums sometimes and I just, I, I, I love it. <laughs> and I also like sometimes, once I listened to it and I started to get dizzy. Like, I got dizzy because it sounded so wonderful to me and I couldn't believe that I'd done it. And I think sort of like the clash of reality, like it just felt so surreal that I I almost lost consciousness. <laughs> it's really a process. But I think that's the key. Like, the important thing is that I, I really love what I create. That's, again, an alignment. Yeah. I think it's great you're making an album. I love albums. Yeah. I'm still not into the single thing. <laughs> I don't know how to listen to them. Because I want to start something that can last for a while. So, right. so I'm grateful you're making an album. And I, yeah, I usually have them on repeat. Someone I know recently released an EP of like 16 minutes. So I had that on repeat. So that after like four rounds, it feels like an album, and then I'm then I'm fine, and I feel like I've spent some time with it, and I can maybe move on to something else. But I really want to spend some time on something because it is like you say, it's a journey, and a single doesn't really do it for me. It yeah, yeah it's too it's too uh, short. It's it's a part of this um, attack on attention span. I feel is just coming at me from everywhere. Mm. It's a little scary to observe that how it's uh, affecting me. Yeah, and attention spans, you know, like I th I think that's another like commercially and I because but commercially that is a problem I think with my music because there's no track shorter than five. <laughs> no, I think there's one track shorter than five minutes, but it's maybe like four minutes fifty seconds, and then one of the tracks is seven minutes long because it long starts tracks. off with a three minute long circular poem to reflect the you know, frustration, uh, and then yes. it breaks into a rap. But th there's a lot of changes in the tracks, but still they're long. And they're not background music because there's so many changes, you know? If you were at a dinner party or something, you'd be a little bit like, ooh, okay. <laughs> tossed around in it. And I really like the idea that someone might just sit down and and listen to the whole thing. Mm. I said one of my very best friends from a long time ago, I sent her the whole album and MP3. And she told me yesterday she was just listening to it on repeat all day. Yeah. Which is beautiful. That is beautiful. Yeah. I, um, more awareness, I think, is needed uh, regarding how to use music. I don't know. You mentioned background music. And a lot of music is used as background music but it really shouldn't yes and that's a little disturbing to me and then they do the opposite thing as well often when i or i've almost given up going out dancing but the the times i would try it sounds to me like they have some kind of background music on that we're supposed to dance to <laughs> it's uh, like mm, yes, the wrong way around it's the wrong way around I guess for such a long time music was not as available, yeah. so when it was played it would always be live performance for most of human history. Yeah, or you would have to, you know, like walk down to the shop and pick out the record that you wanted to buy and That's then it. excitedly take it home yeah. and put it in the record player, you know, it's exactly. like... Yeah. Yeah. But we're going through all of these phases. They all seem to serve a purpose of some kind. Anyway. 
so I'm not gonna complain. Do you feel like when you are paying so much attention to the music you're making and the way you're listening to it and knowing what goes into making it, that it does something to the way you listen to other people's music? Yeah, definitely. I don't anyway listen to music very often. I don't put background music on. I find that I'm so sensitive to music that if I'm trying to wash up the dishes and there's music on even sometimes, I can just feel like I'm supposed to be paying attention to washing the dishes now, but the the music wants my attention and mm. it's stressful inside my body mm, kind yeah. of thing. It's weird. And now certainly, yeah, when I'm listening. Also, I'm a lot listening to... Now that I have accepted more that I'm a musician, I'm hanging out with musicians more. So a lot of the music I'm listening to is made by people that I know. And then, mm. of course, there's another element of I, I know them. But, yeah, just knowing what goes into a track and how much potentially of a person's soul. Mm. Not always, but sometimes, really. Mm. A, whole, a whole soul has been put into that track over the time that it was being worked on. Mm. I think you can feel that. Yeah. When I was little, I really liked uh, <laughs> using the shuffle button, I remember. And now it just seems unthinkable to put shuffle on an album. It feels mm. so disrespectful. Because I just imagine the artist put some effort into the order of the tracks. Yeah. And uh, why should I come and just mess up that order? But as a child, I found it exciting when I didn't know what would come next. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that was an association. Um, I really love that you're bringing in sexuality and dementia and just all of these things because everything is connected. You know, a part of me is thinking during music education, they should encourage the students to have sex and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, explore life. I did it I did it on my own. I remember during my master's degree I didn't spend that much time in my practice room. That was what I was supposed to do. But it felt totally wrong. You know, when you're in your twenties mm. you should just explore whatever you feel like exploring. And that all of that like it's done to you, will come through your music and it will just fuel your creativity and life experience. Mm. Do you want to talk more about any of the influences for your music making or anything specific to do with the actual music? I guess maybe one thing that comes to me is another reason why I wasn't doing anything for a long time was because I got it into my head that if you want to make music that sounds good, you really need a lot of samples, you need a really good sample library because you just shouldn't use the built-in sounds of Ableton and all of this stuff. And so one of the reasons I wasn't starting was because, oh, I don't have a sample library, <laughs> you know? And then I suddenly realized that my voice is my primary instrument and even, you know, there are sounds that we can make with the voice, like this really raw sorrow expression sound. Can I try and do it? In yeah, my peak, sure. the microphone. Yeah. You know, this kind of sound, it can suddenly sound so raw because I'm just going in and I'm connecting in that moment with something very raw. And I suddenly got the idea to use that kind of thing, not just that kind of sound, but like making sure, using voice as a lot of the instrumental texture and making sure that I put the emotive expressiveness into it. I think this this is quite unique to it. And I loved it because you came in and played cello on two of my tracks yeah. so far. And I, I, I loved how you also brought into the, this, you know the feeling into the cello as well and you know the the straight the vibrating string that's also a very organic sound so that's another part of it it's like the the voice in it maybe in even a more organic or the like getting towards the more real quality of the voice 
and you know like the cello and the acoustic instrument and then contrasting it with the electronic sound mm. and this thing about no samples you know like mm-hmm. at one point i wanted this sort of like kind of sound over over a certain lyric that i was saying and so then i just i just went to get a plate and a fork from the studio kitchen and i just sat there at my microphone in the studio like yeah. scraping the fork on the plate and it was the perfect sound yes. so just always playing and there's many like weird things that i've used to create the sounds in the album yeah and, like with a nice recording studio which i like the most expensive thing most expensive thing in my life at the moment is that Mm. private music studio but it's it's so beautiful to have that free access to the space and mm. yes are we in a similar situation there i mean i started to rent a, a practice room now which mm. i uh, i can't really afford but i was just thinking it's an investment in just everything i will be doing for the rest of the year and i just feel confident it will pay off exactly later exactly it's this i would call it faith and i'm not i'm like yeah i I guess i am kind of spiritual in that i always trust that everything's gonna turn out okay and that everything's right and that it's supposed to be like this but with faith i really see it as like yeah to to trust that feeling in a way Mm. that goes against logic i have been doing only things recently that don't bring me any money and I'm really down to the wire financially, but I just trust. And I think that that's faith, mm. which is very beautiful. It's sort of like a kind of non-religious way to to find it. Yeah. And I really think like sometimes the mind can come in and start questioning it. And often that's when the anxiety comes up and it gets stressful. But like the mind... I don't know, I trust the feeling so much more than the thoughts that come in and tell me that I should get a job and because there's this burn, there's a fire that mm. makes it hard even not to do anything else. It's like the more you follow the fire, the harder it becomes not to do anything else and then the more right it feels. It's like this, it can't be wrong. Yeah. I think that, is, is that the feeling that you have about like, you know... Yes, there is yeah. definitely this feeling of safety even though it doesn't rationally makes sense but I feel safe I mean I should say that I'm fortunate enough to be living with a partner who can financially support us both Mm. so there's safety in that but I know that I would not feel I mean I'm used to managing my uh, myself financially and I would be very very uncomfortable if I was in a situation that just felt unsustainable and I didn't see an end to it mm. but I feel very safe about the trajectory that I feel I'm on mm. and yeah I just really feel that it will pay off I will be able to <laughs> make a living from this yeah. and having this space this practice room which is the place where I'm, I'm cultivating the source of my whole profession basically I'm not much of a cellist if I don't have my if I can't play my instrument it just feels like totally the right thing to do and I feel so good when I'm there and there is this dedicated space and dedicated time for only nourishing this activity Mm. Uh, I wish I had some kind of question in the end or like oh I can borrow the question of the podcast that I've been listening to recently, which is Fertility Friday with Lisa Hendrickson Jack. So it's a, it's a lot about the menstrual cycle and all kinds of uh, uh, women's health related things. And I find it really illuminating. And her last question is, what would you like the listener, what would be the thing that you want the listener to take away? from this conversation? Hmm. I hope that whether or not they, I don't know, play music or not, I think that maybe people resonate with this, what we talk about, you know, this passion burning fire feeling. 
I, that's the moment when I at least felt the most fired up and inspired. I hope that maybe some people feel kind of fired and inspired by this as well. So step into your fire energy. <laughs> yes. You know what I was saying to a friend of mine recently, I feel so in touch with my air, my water, my earth, but my fire energy is on a very, 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 very low level at all time. And then he said he feels it comes out when I play the cello. And I realized, yeah, that's actually a place where it's the easiest for me, I think, to get in touch with that particular energy, the fire. No, I love that, balancing the energies. But I also wanted to say uh, that you, your online presence now, like on YouTube, your website is built around your practice on um, voice coaching, yeah. right? And that's still happening, I guess, even though you are busy with your album. It is still happening. Uh, yeah, it is still happening. It might have to happen less a little bit for a while because, you know, I'm just one person mm. and... When I'm facilitating, I feel like, I also feel like I'm flying. Mm. And to try and create music in a way that's not already not easy to do and run a new business and try and sustain myself from that, it's not working. Mm. It's not working. And I'm, I'm working so hard every day mm. and I'm not, I don't have a salary. No. Uh, and I, I think that the next step for me now is to find ways to just have more financial stability because it's it's the one thing that remains a stressor for me. Even, mm. even though I can keep softening out of it, I can keep relaxing, I can keep going back into the trust and the faith. And I, and I also remind myself, you know, like I'm always gonna have food and somewhere to sleep. So it's, you know, it's not life or death in the way that sometimes my body thinks it is. But there's so much fire right now. Last year, all the fire was for the coaching and getting that off the ground. And mm. but, and I don't know whether it's a question of that this is a more tender dream. It's certainly more triggering for me with the music. And it certainly feels like the fieriest fire, you know? Yeah. yeah. I don't, I have no idea what's going to happen. Mm. So, like now is a very turbulent time for me. I know that I will, even for a while I thought that I would move back to England to be closer to my mom. Now it becomes clear that I will be here in Stockholm. I will be coaching. I will be looking at how to release my music from, from Sweden. But maybe I'm going to have to be doing some other stuff as well at the same time. I don't know, maybe I'll be coaching a bit less and then working in a cafe or something. Yeah, yeah we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. We can all follow you on Instagram and Facebook and see how things are going. Yeah. yeah. And also TikTok, which is actually oh, a good there. platform for me because it's right. audiovisual and I think okay. I can get quite creative for it. Yeah. And also, if you like longer stuff, if you do have a longer attention span and you... you a lot of what's on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok are just the, you know, like the 20 second extracts of like longer artistic content that you can find on YouTube. Right. Mm. Yes. And I recommend the voice activation course, two week voice activation course. Is oh, the one that you can take online. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. That's something you can sign up for on the website. KingGatrich.com 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 Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. For being here. Thank you for having me. It's mm. always beautiful to talk to you. Can't wait to have you back in a year. <laughs> <laughs> to hear what's happened then. And that was a glimpse into a day in the life of Kim Godraj and myself. Her latest update to me is that she's working with producers, including Lucid State Studios, who are helping her polishing the album. And she's posting a lot of creative content on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and YouTube. And you can search for at Kim Godraj. There are links in the show notes. 
And if you want to follow this podcast, you can do so on Coffee or subscribe to it on your streaming platform. The next episode is out in two weeks and I'll be talking to another inspiring musician who for the first time in the history of the Musician's Journey podcast performs one of his songs live during the interview. I am happy you're here. Take care. <laughs>